Welcome back. This is Doug. This is Jacob. And you're listening to Best Worst Podcast. Cheers. Sponsored by the Talisker Dark Storm uh, whiskey, which uh, I picked up at the Duty Free just a couple weeks ago. Oh, it's beautiful. Um, so, it is really good. Uh, br- prepared in charred casks. Yeah, and, so nice, uh, nice and, and peaty and smoky, with, uh, but lacking the harsh pepper on the back of your standard Talisker. Talisker, it's a little mm. rounder and, and, uh, and got a little depth to it. It's nice. Yeah, and we've got a lot more to talk about besides Scotch reviews because it's yep. been a long time between <laughs> drinks for us. It's been a while, um, and we could—I mean, there's a bunch of upcoming movies we could talk about, but I, that um, we've seen. But I think this episode maybe we'll just bust out a quick one about the movies we're most excited for. Yeah, 2015. Um, we could—I think between us we could probably list a hundred, but yeah. um, to keep this short and sharp, we picked out five each. Five piece, um, and. Some painful choices on the cutting room floor, as always, and I'm sure that uh, our favorite movie of the year won't be on this list, but um, we'll see what comes out. Off to an early start this year with uh, Sundance already. Yeah, uh, yeah. um, I forget how early it comes out, actually. Um, Yeah. And a lot of kind of, a lot of good feedback this year. It seems to be quite a bumper crop, so. Yeah, well, do you want to start by talking about some of your... uh, uh, one of your Sundance picks, maybe. Okay. Or... Uh, yep. Okay. So one of them, um, which and and I must admit I haven't been keeping a, a close eye on what was coming out. And so I'd see people um, tweet about such and such a film and go, "Oh, what's that?" and look it up and go, "Oh, crap! I didn't know Bujalski had a new film out." So, <laughs> that would be Andrew Bujalski. Yeah, Andrew Bujalski, Computer which was my top film of twenty thirteen. Yeah, 2013, that sounds right. And uh, he's got, I think it's a rom com set in a gym uh, called Result, and. I'm into anything that he's willing to put out. This looks like a little bit of a change-up, and he's actually got some people that you recognise as well. Um, I mean, his past films have people I recognise because I watch his films, but this one's got Guy Pearce sporting his native Australian accent, and it's also got uh, Kevin Corrigan, who, uh, I don't know, he you know whether he's typecast, he, he plays a quite a kind of a slightly dicey, lowbrow kind of dude quite well. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but um, it's going to be interesting being Bujowski, I think, yeah. Yeah, and I've heard um, lots of uh, people who thought it was incredibly funny as well. Yeah. So, I, I mean, as with many Bujalski films, either you get it or you don't. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> um, it may not appeal to everyone's taste, but um, that kind of uh, natu- semi-naturalist, yeah. but with a very askew yeah. viewpoint on the world is yeah. uh, And who knows, this one's probably going to be a little more approachable, yeah. I think, um, than particularly than computer chess, um, yeah. obviously. But uh, yeah, it should be good. should be good. What's your first... Uh, um, well, I'll go for a Sundance title that's probably on the opposite side of the yeah. approachable spectrum. It's The Forbidden Room by Guy Madden. Oh, uh, I actually yeah, yeah. co-directed, and I unfortunately lost track of the fellow's name, but this uh, cinematographer of his last film was credited as a co-director. Mm. And Guy Madden, uh, I've loved his films for years. He made Dracula pages from a virgin's diary, Cowards Bend the Knees, uh, Bends the Knee, The Saddest Music in the World, My Winnipeg, Winnipeg yeah. Brand Upon the Brain. Uh, his last film, Keyhole, didn't get any play here. Um, so I'm hoping this is a return uh, to the film festival. Uh, this film has Matteo Amalric, Udo Kier, Charlotte Rampling, as well, and amongst a cast of hundreds, including um, Ariane Labed from Dog Tooth, oh, yeah, yeah. and uh, Carolyn Davernas from Wonderfalls. Oh, wow. I mean, it's a really eclectic wide-ranging cast, cast yeah. and a, an eclectic-sounding film. Um, it's been compared to... Um, have you ever seen the Saragossa Manuscript? 
No. So it's a film that starts with somebody telling a story, and then about five minutes into it, one of the characters says, oh, that reminds me of this story. Da, da, da. And then yeah. five minutes into that film within the film, somebody says, oh, that reminds me of that story. And so it's apparently like this really incredibly densely nested up and down oh, yeah, kind yeah. of um, thing. Udo that Kier looks, looks to play five or six different characters. That reminds it. me of a book I read um, um, a while ago i don't remember the title of it but it did exactly the same thing where you started reading a bunch of protagonists who Cloud Atlas. started talking it no no it started okay. talking about a story and then yeah this was kind of like a historical fiction where they're going from uh, sort of a made-up history of a land and various okay. political things that happened and yeah yeah but his um yeah his um just sense of how he shoots and puts together film is like nobody else out there this sort of cuisinart version of soft uh, uh of silent cinema technique, oh, yeah. and I look forward to seeing what he's done this time. Ah. Your turn. Nice. Okay, so um, another one on my list, which is, um, it's been kicking around um, the States particularly for a while, um, and so hopefully it makes its way here, is um, Alex Ross Perry's Listen Up, Philip, yes. which has um, got some quite good critical um, feedback, although... Alexander Bisley, for instance, is a major fan of yeah, it, yeah. and the Lumiere reader. Although... Um, some feedback hasn't hasn't been quite so <laughs> positive. Um, Mike D'Angelo in particular made some yeah. comments about how he thought, you know, perhaps it wasn't as smart as it was hoping it was. Um, but it, it looks like it's going to be interesting to me. It's about um, Jason Schwartzman plays a, an upcoming novelist um, who's sort of in the midst of, of I guess, fame that's growing and dealing with that whole kind of situation. Um, of interest to me, it was um, edited by Robert Greene. Um, yes, who did actress? Yeah, who and, did actress? Uh, his film actress is also. I'm waiting for that to hopefully come over here, um, which is a documentary about Brandy Berry from The Wire. Yes, um, yeah. So that that's of interest, and apparently even the people who didn't like the film have praised Elizabeth Moss um, for her yes. um, part in it. So there's a segment that she sort of takes, which apparently she really kills. So, have you seen The Color Wheel, which is his yeah, last I have. film? Yeah, yeah, which I I really liked that. Um, it, I, I was, it was mixed on it. It's a bit awkward at yeah. first, and it will, and then it's awkward in different ways yeah. as it goes on. But Very it really builds to something yeah. quite strong and hard to shake and and um, there's quite a cool kind of aesthetic to it like in that he uses quite of a, a very almost a lo-fi approach to shooting it like very grainy and, and they say um, puts in black and white he's got kind of um kind of oldish looking titles and everything about it is a slightly has a, a worn quality to it yeah well and listen up philip like even the poster has been yeah. seeing like the old philip roth yeah. font for his old book paperback yeah. so i think it's a yeah. Similar aesthetic that he's drawing from the well on this time. Yeah, so I think it'd be quite quite a good, interesting sort of piece. Hopefully it makes it. Okay. Well, I'll do another film that is set in New York and that literally I don't think anything else is known about. Uh, it's called Louder Than Bombs, and it's by Joaquin Trier, and who, who is, is not to be confused with Mr. Lars. Lars, uh, yeah. Or uh, Joaquin he, Phoenix. Or no, <laughs> no, this is Joaquin, uh, I think, J-O-A-C-H-I-M. Oh, that name yeah. rings a bell. Did he have something at the festival? No, no. Uh, his films have... Uh, well, no, he had Reprise play here in 2006 or somewhere around oh, there, yeah, yeah. which is about two young writers, one of whom becomes successful, one who doesn't, doesn't yeah. and chronicles their thing. And that, that was a really powerful film. Yeah. And then his second film, for some reason, didn't play the festival. It was called Oslo 31 August, and it's a remake of a Louis Malle film called, I think, The Fire Within. Uh, and it's uh, about a the last day of a man's life. And uh, it's just an exceptionally uh, well-acted, well-observed film. There's a cafe scene in the middle of it 
that has the, this this miracle of sound design as he's observing other people's designs. He's he's a filmmaker with a strong grasp of technique, but not an ostentatious use of it. Yeah, which is a really potent combination because he knows when to step back and let yeah. actors perform and do their thing and just let it exist within a good frame and when he, to actually push things a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And so Louder Than Bombs is his English language debut and it's got a somewhat of an all-star cast again. Um, Jesse Eisenberg, Amy Ryan, Isabel Huppert, Gabriel Byrne, Gabriel Byrne, where did Gabriel come from? <laughs> and uh, David Strathern amongst others. Uh, and the word is that it'll probably premiere at Cannes, and so okay. we'll probably be hearing a lot more about that it. That is in an interesting May, cast. I mean, and hopefully, we'll be seeing it. You know, it's always scary when your foreign language heroes yeah. uh, make their English language debut, and I've got another yeah. one of those coming. So we'll see, but um, I'm mm. optimistic nonetheless. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so my next one um, also uh, was a surprise for me as I hadn't, hadn't didn't have my ear to the ground. Uh, was uh, Tangerine, which has kind of been blowing up on Twitter the last couple yeah. of days, actually. Yeah. Uh, Not to be confused with the Tangerine from Estonia that's nominated for Best uh, Foreign Picture. Oh, really? Yeah. Really, yeah. <laughs> Strangely enough, there's two Tangerines at the yeah. moment. Yeah, so this Tangerine is um, directed by Sean Baker and um, produced by Chris Burgos. Burgos? I can't remember how to pronounce his name. But um, they were um, responsible yeah. for Starlet, which came to yeah, Festival which I missed, 2013, I think? Somewhere around there. Yeah, and then which the, was something yeah. that was fantastic. I really liked it. It had Dree Hemingway. Um, so this film is um, a bit more of a, I guess, experimental, but not necessarily experimental for experimental sake. I, I heard a little uh, interview with the guys talking about um, production, because I guess one of the standout things people are talking about was that it was shot completely on iPhones. Yeah. Um, but... It has more professional sound laid around that. Um, and the other good um, comments I've heard are uh, that it actually has a story that holds up an interesting character. So yeah. it's, it's about um, transvestite uh, or, or transgender prostitutes around LA. Um, yeah. because it's a Christmas Eve story, is that right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. And um, because in um, Starlet, uh, uh, they looked at sex, the sex worker industry as well. Um, because I think we're... Sean Baker lives is quite close to one of the kind of the red lighty kind of districts in, in LA and so he was interested in telling stories of people around that around that space and looking at life in that area um, so yeah this is a very much a sort of a local look at some really interesting alternative life experience well alternative for me anyway yeah. um, and yeah, no so it, look, <laughs> it looks looks um looks pretty damn interesting and um, what they did with Starlet was um, was yeah, incredible and and like just smart, astute and very, very kind of moving drama um, yeah. of an interesting vein. And I, and I dying to see it. I really yeah. regret missing it. And uh, yes, yeah, so I'm really keen, really keen to see what they've done with this. Well, pulling off the back of that, I'll mention another um, film that I really hope plays theatrically uh, because it's one of my um, favorite young directors. I actually don't know his age, but um, Peter Strickland, mm. who uh, did a film called Cattle and Vargo, which I still haven't seen, but his second film, Barbarian Sound yeah. Studio, I've been fortunate enough to see three times on the big screen. Was that only his um, second film? It was only his second film. He made a short of it before. Wow. And uh, it's that that one starred Toby Jones as a um, yeah. sound designer who's gradually losing his mind. Uh, and it really divided people. Yeah. I really loved it. I know that a lot of other people didn't. Uh, the Duke of Burgundy played at Toronto last year, and mm. every critic I trust promptly lost their shit for it. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the 
Mike DeAngelis put out a review in January. He yeah. just released theatrically and on cable in the States, yeah. uh, saying, I don't think I'll see a better movie this year. Um, roughly, what I know about it is it's about a female couple, and in fact, all the characters in the film are female, but the character that two characters that are focused on are in um, some kind of BDSM yeah. romance, most of which I think is handled off camera, yeah. but clearly, you know, yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no lack of clarity about what's going on, yeah. but, um, it's not necessarily salacious, but the, um, the, there, so there's this series of references to like old Jess Franco seventies kind of films, but then there's apparently also a bit that refers to Stan Breckage's Mothlight and gets really oh. experimental and, um, and lectures about butterflies and, uh, but at the heart of all of this kind of like crazy stuff, ultimately it's a film about two people who are having trouble making their relationship work in meeting each other's needs. And so it's not a film that's like so many of these kind of 70s sex things, throwing things out there to shock. Yeah. Um, whether that's part of Strickland's desire, I think he's probing, using that to get to something a lot more universal about yeah relationships and the sacrifices that we make to please our partner and what how far do we go to do something you don't want to do to help somebody else before it's um denying our own yeah needs and uh and that's i think that combination of um clever experimentation and an intense fundamental emotional story is what people have been really responding yeah. to so i'm Rap well, and forward, the, there were and, shadows um, of that in yeah. Barbarian, which was very much about human psychology and yeah, and I guess working through your own kind of primal needs and fears. Yeah, and, C- confronting yeah, yeah. The, uh, being a bucolic person, yeah. confronting something extreme, and but with the, an experimental edge to the to the 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 structure of the film and yeah. and some of the production qualities. Yeah. Yeah, so that, oh, yeah, that's, that, one, that's one I'm excited for. Please, well. New Zealand Film Festival, bring that film or somebody, anybody, show it on the big screen. I've been excited about. Cool, cool. Hopefully, someone brings it. Yeah. Now, the next one that I was going to look at is um, I've got a. Well, this one's a kind of a follow up. Um, the Look of Silence is kind of like the companion piece to The Act of Killing from Joshua Oppenheimer. And we'll remember the emotional pounding we got from The Act of Killing. Yes, um, we so do. documentary, and, and this is another documentary, and it's looking at that situation in Indonesia, the historical situation, and, and the, the fallout from that today, um, from more of the perspective of the victims, I think. Yeah. And so it's going to be heavy, uh, but hopefully it will be quite, um, like, he's proved to be quite an inventive t- storyteller um, within that kind of documentary framework. Um, and it should be enlightening as well, I guess. And and alongside looking at looking at the act of killing and and how the the perpetrators kind of attempt to make peace with their with their own actions and that whole kind of um, the history belongs to the victor kind of thing. Yeah. Um, butted up against the the stories of of the victims and the people who are still under the under the I guess the the thumb of, of that regime. Yeah, my brother actually saw it last September at Fantastic oh, wow. Fest in a um, sneak screening there and yeah. uh, raved about it. And uh, I know that some people, I mean, I, I was with you on Act of Killing. I yeah. thought it was a fantastic film. Some people have complained that uh, they feel like it insufficiently uh, takes the victims into account or yeah. that. And so I think, whether regardless of your feelings of the Act of Killing, I think this is 
urgent watching because it is very much a companion piece of trying to get the other side of it and um my understanding is that in fact like the pieces evolved in tandem yeah and that as he was shooting you know there was more and more things and trying to make this giant thing into a single movie would have been incoherent so like i watched a few interviews with him prior to seeing that well around the time that i saw it before and after um and and he was very much um saying that act of killing came out of the um the situation that his filming was essentially shut down he started off making interviews with victims and the, um some government agencies and what have you got onto it and they basically blocked him from being able to film um things were getting a bit hairy and a bit dangerous and he he'd spoken to the people that he was working with the victim groups and they said look they said i can interview them and and, and they pushed him to make a film from the um from the perspective of the of the um the regime in charge and yeah. um because they thought if the story gets out there, I mean, people will be able to see past the facade, yeah. <laughs> um, which you can quite clearly. Oh, um, they're, they're talking very proudly about their killings. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so I, th- I think from what I've heard from him, his, um, his motivations have always been to side with the, with the victims. Um, and so, I mean, I think this is going to be a really great opportunity for people to maybe piece that together. But I, I think it, the information was there if you wanted it. Yeah. Um, agreed. And, uh, but regardless of, I, I mean, I've had this debate and, mm. you know, there's <laughs> some debates you can't win, yeah. um, but regardless of whether or not we've convinced you of the merits of the act of killing, I think that the look of silence is mm. still worth, uh, a separate look. Yeah. Um, my number four, not in order in any particular order film is another, uh, follow up by a director who's completed a trilogy. Uh, Roy Anderson's uh, made a couple films in the 60s or 70s and then took a long time off filmmaking. Yeah. And then he came back, uh, I think in 99, with Songs from the Second Floor. Yeah. And then 2006 or seven with uh, You the Living. Yeah. Uh, and he's an extraordinary filmmaker who uh, makes this, his films as a series of scenes that are these tableaus. Um, so each one takes maybe a few minutes to unfold. And they're very... Deadpan, Deadpan, slow, kind of absurdist, in some ways. absurdist. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like um, Brazil on Thorazine or yeah. something like that, um, where it's um, there's something cartoonish and larger than life, but something lugubrious and yeah. and very sad. There's nobody that makes films like him, mm. and he has made his third in what will be, um, by all accounts, probably his final film. Oh, wow. Um, uh, and I'll make sure to get this title right. A pigeon sat on a branch reflecting on existence. Yeah. Um, it's it's going to be more of the same um, yeah. to, to the extent that even songs from the second four and you, the living room, yeah. similar but different. Um, there'll probably be moments that people really cling on to. There's a scene in songs from the second floor. For where... those three will be the trilogy. Yes, yeah, yeah that's the trilogy. Yeah. Uh, and it's already played in a few festivals and I think... I think there's two different kinds of film fans in general. There's ones that kind of expect something new and revolutionary each time. Yeah. And then there's people that are like quite excited when somebody takes what they've done and built on it ever so slightly. And yeah. I kind of refer to it sometimes like, do you prefer Stranger Than Paradise or Down By Law? Yeah, yeah. And I'm a Down By Law kind of guy. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, uh, I've heard some people say P- that Pigeon is a masterpiece. I've heard other people say it's just not as good as the other two or not, yeah. not as fresh as the other two. And it's like, well, mm. 
you know, there's nobody else that does this. And yeah. at, at the end of it, you know, if there's only three films that are like this in the history of cinema, um, we can put up with that, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I cannot wait to see it on the biggest screen possible. Um, Civic, Civic, please, Civic. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And what's your... Uh, my, my last one. Film, yes. For, uh, for this round is um, The Nightmare, which is a documentary by... Um, the incredibly interesting Rodney Asher, yes. um, who people will know from Room 237, uh, the documentary he did about um, conspiracy theories surrounding The Shining. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's that was incredibly interesting. And he also, he did a couple of shorts that I've watched about, um, one about the, the logo for Screen Gems, I think it was. Or oh, yes, the, 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 the mystery S of Hell or something. Yeah, the S yeah. from Hell. Yeah. Um, and and he's 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 a conspiracy theory guy. Like he, um, I've had a couple of back and forth on Twitter with him about oh, really? about okay. various kind of conspiracy theory mm-hmm. things and and and, uh, and on different topics. Um, yeah, he's just really interesting, and I I like the way that he investigates things um, in a not straightforward way. And I yeah. I know some people don't like his manner of, of constructing films. Like a lot of people didn't really like two, Room Two Thirty Seven for reasons I'm not always hundred percent sure on, but. They I think they were me. expecting a documentary on The Shining, Shining yeah. as opposed to a documentary on Obsession. Yeah. And I think that's the yeah the major category yeah. errors, that if you think that Room 237 is About supposed to reveal what, what's actually going yeah. on in The Shining, <laughs> yeah. then it's going to be a big disappointment. Yeah. Um, I am, yeah, I was a big fan of Room 237, yeah. and um, but this particularly interested me because it's about sleep paralysis. Yeah, so tell me what, I don't, I've never come across that well maybe so, I've heard so about it I've experienced it twice in my life and really? in my experience uh, you your eyes open you're still asleep and you can't move but your dreams are taking space in the visual space in the room around you oh right and uh, my, in my case I saw uh, people that I knew that were flatmates so it was relatively mild you know yeah. it wasn't um, it wasn't as nightmarish as it could be yeah but it was still quite frightening and just kind of like you know life seems to be going around you and unable to move apparently you know what that sounds like to me like the only thing that i've experienced that comes near anything like that is um delirium from having had like super high fever one time yeah Uh, plus 40 degrees or whatever and and, um and started seeing stuff in the room yeah could you move though um i yeah but i was that's it but but i but like it was just surreal weird This is this is almost yeah. This isn't necessarily like um, unreal, but it's just like the thing is that you can't move, Mm. and that's the thing. Like yeah, you're just choking, and um, and it was so scary that when we got horror a couple years ago in Forty Eight Hours Hybrid, I I was like, I'll tell you the scariest thing I've ever done, and we made a film called Paralysis. Uh, It was about sleep paralysis. Um, kind of, it kind of shifted a little bit, but it's still uh, it wound up being a bit more supernatural and crazy. Um, and fun. Uh, but the characters that are profiled in this apparently see um, a, a dark figure in the room that's approaching towards them. So it's it's yet another level of um, intensity, wow. whereas I didn't actually have anything that I felt like was actually going to threaten me. I was yeah. sufficiently freaked out by the fact that, you, couldn't you know, I thought it was up there trying to talk to me and I couldn't move. Yeah. yeah. Um, so... Uh, I think it's liable to be the scariest movie of the year, and <laughs> an unforgettable one, and yeah. a real eye-opening thing for people who have never experienced it. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. yeah. He's he's interesting, and I'm very keen for that to hopefully 
float in on the uh, sounds like strange, an incredibly strange yeah, yeah. Uh, father. Yeah, Ed. Um, spe- this this probably won't play in incredibly strange, but it certainly is incredibly strange. strange. The uh, latest film by Yorgos Lanthimos. Oh yes, who we that's uh, been floating around for so long. I remember it, it was <laughs> talked about quite some time ago, and then it sort of dipped away. I may have even mentioned this a couple of years ago on yeah. one of these. I can't remember, but um, he made Dog Tooth for those of yeah. you who are trying to remember who he is, um, <laughs> or who aren't up with the. Uh, and then Alps, cinema. which didn't make it here. Yeah, Alps has never played here, but it's also fantastic. Um, and and again, more of this Greek New Wave mm. surrealism. I mean, the mass walk t- walkouts during Dog Tooth may have contributed to that, <laughs> but hopefully, the star power of the lobster will bring. It will overcome any yeah. lingering resentment. Uh, it's you know it's got Colin Farrell, it's got Ben Wishaw, John C. Riley, Rachel Weisz, Leah Seydoux, Olivia Coleman, and others. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and it's got another um, patented crazy premise, which is um, that about these people who are checked into a hotel with other people in it, and they're required to find a mate in forty-five days, and if they fail to, they're turned into an animal and released into the woods. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> what? I, I I don't I don't really know how that's. <laughs> Obviously, yeah, there's, there, some, there's some there's some plot synopsis you read and you're like, oh yep, taken three, you know. It's, uh, like you know I see how that's going to play out, and then you're like, oh, I don't know where he's going with it. And and the interesting thing too is the tone, right? Because yeah. his movies have this kind of dry humor and then these black humor and then just these horrific moments yeah yeah um both dog tooth and alps have moments of stomach churning violence yeah back to back with um with lighter kind of strange comedic things and then and also the other thing that i think makes them work is these moments of real human drama Um, alps is about a uh, service provided for people uh who have lost somebody and would like an actor to take the part of that Uh, dead person. You can see why it might've appealed to me. Um, and, uh, and you know, so he's, he has a history with these off kilter premises and making them into something that I found quite compelling, even if, uh, Alps didn't get the reception here. It deserved. Um, it it didn't play here, did it? No, it never has. I I don't even think it's come out on DVD. So I had to track it down through other mechanisms. But, um, do you think that had something to do with um, the way that um, what was the one that Dogtooth? Not yeah, but there's Dogtooth. But after that, there was the Rachel. Uh, that there was a group of the people that he's obviously kind of come up with in terms of filmmaking. That he produced her film, Attenberg. Attenberg, yeah, yeah. Which kind of kind of I mean, flailed there, a bit as well. I think in general the Greek film because there's uh, I, there's which another, was interesting, but yeah, yeah. I, I didn't work for me as well. But there's mm. a few other Greek films like Miss Violence mm. and L that I've heard a lot about that kind of are part of this new wave of Greek mm. cinema. And in general, they haven't reached the shore. And I don't know. In general, I feel that like you know, there's so few on ramps into yeah. the theatrical New Zealand market yeah. and if you, you don't know, make and, a festival you yeah, yeah and and I do, I just don't think that the the Greek community it wants to see those films especially and I don't think they're breaking out to the maybe incredibly strange community who might think oh that's a really interesting yeah crazy film and they're I I think in general there's there's films that fall between categories yeah they're less defined genre really, films cuz like really a lot rough of the, go of it yeah yeah a lot even, of the incredibly yeah. strange is heavily sort of genre based you got your yeah. horrors, you kind of, and and the weirdness is based around that kind of thing. Whereas this is kind of surreal, yeah. some kind of um, almost art film qualities to them. And yeah, yeah it's it's that it's that um, 
you know, art art exploitation kinds yeah, of films. Yeah. And and some you know, some of those directors get a bit of purchase. But you know, a lot of Bruno Dumont's films haven't played mm. here. Um and I think that and even and The Strange Color of Your Body's Tears didn't play here, which oh, is a yeah. fantastic film. I bought that on Blu ray over uh Christmas and you know, it's it's everything a mayor is and more. Um it's a bit overstuffed and it, yeah. you know, it's maybe a bit too long, but like it um it's a sort of film that should have played at a film festival, yeah. but for whatever reason, I think because Amir was very divisive even in the Incredibly yeah. Strange section when it played, yeah. uh, Strange Color didn't get a go. And I, I, you know, I, the reality is the market isn't that big for those films. Yeah. You know, no, that's they're not, there's not, no one who wants to see that unless you know they turn around and have the remaining 90 minutes of it be Helen Mirren in a... Um, cafe with um judy dench you know <laughs> and that, because that's what brings people into the uh mm. cinemas so um yeah i mean well we were we gave that 45 minutes yeah. and we got through in 26 well that's um, um that's a lot of that's some strong showings here yeah i mean um it's worth mentioning maybe a couple others yeah you know? i mean i know that you uh like uh, Christian Petzold, for yeah, instance. yeah. So, so he's, um, he's his latest um, Phoenix is has kind of been floating around um, various places, and hopefully, I mean, we've had a good run with Chris, Christian Petzold films for the festival here. Yeah. Um, so NZFF, I'm pretty sure, will probably bring that in. And remind me because I, I get a few of these German auteurs mixed up, but he did Barbara. Barbara, right? yeah, with Nina Nina, and, Hef, uh, Nina Hoss. Nina yes, Hef. and was oh, it gosh, I can't Jericho that. before that? Um, yeah, yes. Jericho, and um, then the. Yellow, yellow, yeah, yellow, yeah. So yeah, and he, yeah, he's. I mean, as with a lot of German filmmakers, there's this uncomfortable precision and yeah. slower and thriller. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. That sounds like more of the same. Uh, my buddy Lev Diaz, who you might remember from Norte: The End of History. Yeah, yeah. Um, has at least two films. Which, two. Uh, yeah, there's from what is before. How many hours between them? Um, <laughs> uh, from what is before is five and a half hours. So I'm not going to put money on it playing, but please, I would love to see another Lev Diaz film on the screen. Norte: The End of History. We'll be getting my highest number of Scandi points mm. of any film wow. this year. It's because um, it's a 2014 release in America. Uh, he also just had something play at Rotterdam, which was called Storm Children Book One, mm. which I would love to see. Um, a few other Sundance titles that I've heard a lot about. Um, we should, we first of all should mention Turbo Kid because oh, we've been talking yeah. incredibly strange. Yeah, and uh, Aunt Timpson's done an amazing job of kind of graduating from, you know, this sort of local figure to yeah. a national figure with first ABCs of death and now Yeah. Am I right? Well t- right in thinking yeah. this is the first international feature to at least uh, Yeah, full feature maybe, I'm not sure. I, I it's certainly yeah, the it's the first one that I can think of that hasn't had a New Zealand base. Yeah. Completely New Zealand base. And also the other thing I think with Turbo Kid is that, ABCs, that grew yeah. out of one of the competition films, I believe, for the letter T for the first ABCs of death. So it didn't right. win the T section, which was won by the anim- the toilet animation. Yeah, um, by Lee, what's his job? Hardcastle. Yeah, Lee Hardcastle. Um, but Turbo, there was a there was a Turbo version of this that was um, submitted. For, yeah, for T that. is for Turbo. Yeah, yeah. T is for Turbo. And so I think that that um, this feature grew out of that short um, because it was really strong. It was one of my favorite ones when I saw it. Yeah, and it's got um, an amazing reception from Sundance. I think yeah. the trailer's already had a few hundred thousand views. Wow, cool. And, um, really great responses from the... And that's, that's been picked up by... Um... I don't know. I don't know if it's been picked up or not. But it should be. Michael Ironside's in it. Um, it's basically a post-apocalyptic film set on BMX bikes. Mm. So, with Michael Ironside. Yeah, so, yeah. And appar- apparently, <laughs> like, just na- nails that concept. So, 
Um, that sounds amazing. Um, I am really keen on a documentary that I think is going to send most people running uh, that played at Sundance called Pervert Park. Oh, right. Um, which, it so, just makes me think of Paranoid Park. Which, you know, it's been nothing yeah, much. or... Um, <laughs> Yeah, the, this is, yeah, nothing, or Punishment Park, um, which may be more appropriate. Pervert Park is a documentary about uh, RV Park in Florida, which is almost exclusively populated by uh, released sex offenders. Oh, great. Um, and so, because the problem is... No one wants to... Yeah, know. exactly. You're on, you're on a list, and there's no... You know, you yeah. have to notify people when you live there, if there's a school with an X, if there's whatever. Yeah. And um, and it's an issue that I really um, am interested in because, you know, as a society, yeah, we have a justice system that's supposed to, at the end of it, you know, can you be forgiven for a crime like that? Yeah. And if not, then why are we letting people out? And if so, then why are we castigating them? Yeah. And, um, and... There's a film called The Overnighters, which uh, yes. played at the festival last year, which explores oh, similar themes. Just missed out on my Yeah, cat. it's an extraordinary film um, and explores similar themes. But I think this um, focuses on that specific element yeah. in depth. And it's not a comfortable watch by all accounts, but... Um, wow, yeah. that sounds interesting. Another one that I was looking at was well, a couple. Um, one is um, the... More, most recent um, Bruno Dumont that we heard about from Khan last year. Um, how do you pronounce that? Lil Kinkin? That's how I'll pronounce it, Lil Kinkin. Um, which, uh, from what I can tell, is a miniseries kind of thing. Um, yeah. It was, is, is it actually sort of brought together as a feature? or is it? Um... My understanding is there's a theatrical cut and then like four or five one-hour oh, right. uh, miniseries so, version as well. So the miniseries so... version would be preferable, I'd say. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to know. I mean, there's things like scenes from yeah. a marriage which exist in both. Yeah, version a theatrical. Yeah, and Carlos yeah. as well. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, okay. So this this one is like uh, it's kind of procedural murder mystery thing, I think, um, but it has a comedic aspect to it as well, which seems a bit odd. Or is it a documentary? It's based on true stories, yeah. I think. Oh, is it based on a true story? All I know is it's a police I procedural. I could that be wrong. Is... Maybe I'm getting this totally wrong, yeah. but I'm going to say it anyway. And <laughs> yeah, I think it's slammed by people on the internet. Yeah, um, well, well, Tim Wong's written uh, about it on Lumiere Reader, right. and he's much more insightful than yeah. either of us. So yeah, you should yeah. just go read him about but it. But it sounds really interesting, and it sounds perhaps a little outside of what you might think of the standard Bruno Dumont, um, yeah. which is quite hard going. Um, <laughs> it can't be you know, like he's, you like his stuff or you don't, but it's not. It can be quite com- confrontational, but it, this yeah. is has an edge to it whilst being a little more approachable, I think. Yeah, and I think it fits comfortably into that yeah. police procedural yeah. uh, template that we all know and love from things like The Killing and Borgen yeah, and all yeah. that. And then, um, but it does that, but also leavens it with comedy and leavens it with some of his sort of sort of almost Buster Keenan kind of sense of humor. It reminds me a bit of Memories of Murder from Description oh, in some yeah. ways, only maybe a bit lighter than that. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that uh, comes through. I'm really looking forward to a film called Spring, which uh, is the second film by um, t- a t- team of filmmakers, uh, Moorhead and Benson, who made a film called Resolution that uh, did not get theatrical here, but is out on video oh. and DVD. And actually, I, I just bought the uh, Blu-ray. For those of you in Auckland, if we get this done in time, you should know that Video Easy Ponsonby is going out of business. And uh, I bought uh, the Blu-ray of Resolution there for five bucks. Oh, really? uh, and it's a, it's an offbeat horror film, and uh, it's about two guys that wind up in a cabin 
Uh, one of them is living out there doing lots of drugs, and the other one is his old friend, and he goes out and he handcuffs him to the bed until he uh, <laughs> gets over uh, his illness, uh, or his, his addiction. But um, other stuff starts happening. Yeah. Spring is a, a similar thing It's that starts as a um, guy meets girl in Europe, and yeah. I think Italy, but I can't remember for sure, and uh, and seems all a bit lovely before sunset or whatever, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then it turns, and that's <laughs> all I'm going to say. That's yeah. all I'm going to say. Um, I know more than I'd like to, oh, but yeah. I strongly... Um, on the basis of their first one, this one's a big step up. Draft House Films is releasing it in the States, and oh, yeah. I'm hoping uh, it gets uh, run here as well. Another one that's sort of been playing in the States a little bit over the last kind of while is um, Adam Wingard's The Guest. Yes. Um, I, no, I don't know much about this. All I know is that Michael Monroe from It Follows stars in this, and... She was fantastic in that. Yeah. <laughs> Wendell's done some good stuff, and I'm interested to see where she's going as well. So, Well, the, the, uh, the lead is Dan Stevens. Dan so Stevens. so um, I've seen this because it's on iTunes, and I'm on oh, okay. iTunes, and yeah. so I rented it the other yeah. night, and, um, and I watched it with um, Sarah, who didn't know anything about <laughs> what she was getting into, and she loved it. I loved it. It's a blast. Um, Dan Stevens, I, I've never seen Downton Abbey. But um, afterwards, she showed me some clips, and he basically takes that on his head. The premise, which is revealed in the first few minutes, is that he plays a GI who's coming back from Iraq, yeah. and he comes to this family and tells them, you know, I served with your son who has died, yeah. and he wanted me to come here and look after you. Yeah. Uh, so far, so okay, if yeah. slightly creepy and yeah. intrusive. And then it just... You know, there's a there's a yeah. couple ways it can go, and it kind of goes in all of them. Uh, <laughs> Adam Wingard has really stepped up technically as a yeah. director. I remember watching um, part of Pop Skull Pop many yeah. years back, and it you know was interesting but barely coherent. Yeah. And um, this is a really polished, well made film. Yeah. Um, Michael Monroe plays a very different character from It Follows, but yeah. it's still really entertaining in it. Uh, Definitely um, heavy Carpenter influence and the yeah. music stings and things like that. Um, just nails its genre, really. You know, it's super entertaining and I is a big screen experience that may or may not get a run as a big screen experience yeah. here. And this is something that's really tricky because in the last few years, we've gone from um, waiting, you know, to the once a year cycle to being like, Oh, we wait once a year, but maybe we can import the DVD. Yeah. To waiting once a year, but actually we can torrent it. Yeah. To now it's like waiting once a year, or we can buy it legitimately on yeah, VOD. Yeah. And that's it's it's hard to know what the right thing to do is. Do you wait six months and hope that the guest gets picked up when it's kind of last year's yeah. thing? When the people who are deciding it are kind of like, oh, you know, probably all the people who's saw the guests yeah. have already torn to it. But, you know, I for me, it's I do want to see, like, the Duke of Burgundy, for instance, yeah. on a big on screen. screen. Yeah. But it's out on VOD. R100, which we've talked about. Yeah. Um, or we haven't talked about on the recording, so maybe but, we yeah. should talk about it um, briefly. Uh, Matsumoto, who did um, Big Man Japan and Symbol. Yeah. Um, and that's another uh, Draft House Films release. Mm-hmm. And that's just come out on VOD. Yeah, and it's I like, that. Will we get to wait, will we see it in six months, or will it already yeah. have had its... Time in the sun. Um, And then what happens to those films? Do they just fall through the 
wicker yeah. basket, especially as physical media is declining, you know? Yeah. Um, and then there, there's that strange thing of because rating films cost so much, it becomes less and less worth it. Yeah. Fewer and fewer films get released on DVD. Yeah. So it's a strange um, economy. And, yeah, you and know, the problem is as well is that, I mean, I guess it's, it's similar with, with DVD releases is that you have a limited run. And so if you wait too long, they get sold out. But VOD releases the same. Things drop off schedules. Suddenly it's not on iTunes. It's not on Netflix. It's not on wherever yeah. you're getting it from anymore. Yeah, although it's probably on torrents forever. Yeah. And I mean, it's actually quite disturbing the number of people that I've talked to who have already watched um, so many of this year's films on yeah. torrents. You know, not thing, and things like American Sniper and uh, yeah. Selma and things like that that haven't had a legitimate release anywhere electronically. Yeah. But it's just, um, it's part of people's day-to-day. And I think they would say in their defense, well, it's expensive to go to the films. And it's like, well... Expensive to make the films. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot more expensive yeah. to make the films, and uh, if you don't um, go, then they'll stop showing them. So, yeah. um, on that on that note, everybody go see Force Majeure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, it's that's just come out, isn't it? Yeah, it has. Oh, uh, anything else that you want to call attention yeah, to? Yeah, yeah. Um, is this? Um, I'm just seeing a thing on on your list here. Watermark. Is that Jennifer Blackwell? Yes, who did Manufactured, manufactured Landscapes. landscapes. Yeah. Okay, that's instantly on my list, because that film was fantastic. Yes, it was. And uh, I don't know if this one's going to make it here, yeah. um, because I think it had its festival run last year. Oh, yeah. But it's, um, I mean, for those who didn't see Manufactured Landscapes, it was... It was a documentary a s- about the photography of Edward Batinsky. Yes, um, yes. Looking at the way that humanity, our, our manufacturing um, impacts on landscapes around the world. And so we yeah. looked at things like... Um, uh, like silver mining in Canada, um, the ship three dams, yards. yeah, ship breaking yards yeah. in um, in Bangladesh, uh, uh, recycling uh, or, or dumps for like metal parts and, and old computer parts up in China somewhere. Uh, yeah, just fantastic photography. Really interesting look at these kind of mad scale manufacturing. Um, efforts that we're doing um and the fallout from that like the, i remember a village up in china where their where their whole kind of industry is breaking down old um computer and mobile phone parts um but because they're doing that um the mercury that's leaked from all those things has now kind of killed their water table and they have to get all of their water, yeah. water trucked in and my understanding this is basically the water version of manufactured landscapes yeah although i don't know if it relies on edward bertensky yeah. or if it's hurt work and i'm a sucker for water imagery even films i hate like if they have a nice shot of water in them i'll be like well you know at least an anatomy of hell there's that nice shot of the waves breaking on the ocean at night or at least ai has that yeah water it starts, yeah. looks like a tarkovsky film so um that one i'm again dying to see on the big screen may yeah. not get the chance yeah um i'll wrap it up with a film that i know very little about other than that it's the return to film of kenneth lonergan ah, uh, yeah, yeah. and who did uh, You Can Count On Me, which is still one of my uh, favorite first films of all. Yeah. Wait, you haven't seen You Can Count On Me? No. Mark Ruffalo and Laura Linney, Matthew Broderick, the... Um, I don't think Kenneth I Because you're a... Mar- we've just, We're a Margaret, Margaret fan. Yeah, I'm a big Margaret fan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I struggle with Margaret, but um, I would like to... I've just picked up the extended cut to give that a look, and there's lots of smart people that love that. Well, it sounds but like you need to school me on You Can Count On Me. Yeah, well, yeah. Yes, very much so. <laughs> That was the Mark Ruffalo breakout film because oh. nobody knew who he was, and everyone was like, "Oh my gosh!" You know, yeah. um, just saw him in Foxcatcher last night. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, but 
Yeah, and he has just, I think, very quickly had a film come together called uh, Manchester by the Sea, which uh, Matt Damon will be starring in. And I know next to nothing about it. I imagine it'll be another kind of domestic portrait of a yeah, a Matt Damon, you know. Uh, Manchester by character. the Sea. Yeah. I guess there could be a place in the States. Yeah, I, it, it may be an allegorical title. Yeah, Remember, yeah. there's no characters named Margaret and Margaret. Margaret. Yeah. So um, I think that's... Uh, not to be mentioned in the poem, leaned on too heavily, but uh, apparently he's going to turn it around. He's trying to turn it around really quickly, which we know how that happened last time. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh-huh. <laughs> given that Margaret was, yeah, yeah. Some, something like eight seven or years, seven maybe. years, yeah. So, um, I mean, I know how it goes, so uh, yeah, so that's, I mean, we could talk about a lot more, but we yeah, should probably wrap wrap it up unless you've got anything else you want to mention. No, I think that's pretty good. Okay, well, maybe next time we'll talk about some stuff we've been watching recently, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. Go on that side of things. Yeah, so well, great to be back. back. Yeah, great. And uh, we'll try to do this a little more often. We're around the corner from each other now yep. instead of in different cities. So until yep. next time, this is Doug. This is Jacob. And this was Best Worst Podcast. Cheers. <laughs>